0: You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit ZenNovaScotia.com. Tonight we reach part six of Dogen's guidelines for studying the way. And until now, it's always been, you should, you should, you should, you should. And, and this one, it sounds like he's stepping back a little bit, but then he's, he's not. The title is, What You Should Know for Practicing Zen. It sounds kind of open, but he's saying, you should know this. Practicing Zen, studying the way, is the great matter of a lifetime. You should not belittle it or be hasty with it. A master of old cut off his arm and another cut off his fingers. These are excellent models from China. Long ago, Shakyamuni Buddha abandoned his home and left his country. This is an excellent precedent for practicing the way. And this is about commitment. But commitment to what? He says this is about practicing. Zen. And when we hear that, we can't help but imagine that it's this, that it's sitting, that it's facing a wall, or maybe w- that it's entering a monastery and wearing robes and bowing and all of that. But it can never be just that. Practicing Zen is code for living a fearlessly honest life and living a fearlessly generous life. For me, part of that, part of exploring that has come to be this. It's sitting in this way. It's bowing in this way. It's chanting in this way. These things do not feel separate from that life. But if we understand this to be that you're supposed to leave your home or cut off your arm or cut off your fingers so that you can sit here and do this, that's a mistake. There's a greater point and there's a broader way. A master of old cut off his arm. This is Huiko. This is the first student of Bodhidharma. Bodhidharma ignored him. Bodhidharma sat in that cave and did not even acknowledge his existence for a long, long time. Until one day, in the snow, in desperation, Huiko cut off his own arm and dropped it in front of Bodhidharma. He said, pay attention to me. I am not kidding. (laughs) Another, it says, cut off his fingers. This is Yangshan Huiji, a Chinese monk, who cut off his own fingers in order to show his parents that he was determined to become a monk. This tradition is not dead, by the way. If you've ever watched a movie about the Japanese mafia, you know. right? If you want to leave, you cut off a finger. And if you've ever lived in Japan, you've seen some men who are missing a finger or two. You give something up To prove to yourself and to everyone else your sincerity. So this is about renunciation. Not martyrdom, not giving things up for their own sake. But the recognition that in order to do this, you must give up this. There are 24 hours in the day. And if you're going to dedicate your life to doing something that you have not done up to now, something is going to be cut off. You can't avoid it. What will that be? How much will it be? And it's not just about time. And it's not just about money. Because we could say that time is money. We could translate it that way. It's about what you're willing to let go of. What Zen practice promises, what Buddhist practices promises, what any authentic spiritual practice promises is that you will walk out the door different from who you are when, were, were when you came in. Are you willing to do that? Are you ready to give up your idea about who you are? It's really easy to say yes to this question. So, Yeah because I'd be trading it in for something better and bigger and more mystical, and that would be cool. But the fact is that the only you, you know is this one. And so we can be cavalier about something like this and say, oh, yeah, I'm willing to change. But when we say, I'm willing to change... We're saying, I know who I am. And I might be willing to move around the furniture a little bit. People of the present. Remember, this is written in 1235 or something. People of the present say you should practice what is easy to practice. These words are quite mistaken. They are not at all in accord with the Buddha way. If this alone is what you regard as practice, then even lying down will be wearisome. It is obvious that people who are fond of easy practice are not capable of the way. People of the present say you should practice what is easy to practice. You can buy apps now. You can buy these devices that measure your brain waves and you just play a game on your phone to go into relaxation state. I'm not saying don't do it. It's fun. But it's packaged. It's marketed to say this isn't so hard. You used to be able to buy these these tapes. I don't know if they sell them anymore. It used to say was really, it was even grammatically bad. I think it said, meditate deeper than a Zen monk. It was these little black and white ads, and you'd buy a cassette tape, and it would, uh, and it would ping between your ears, and it would take you to some sort of a, an alpha state or something, and, and you'd, you'd be in the zone. All you, you could do this anytime. You know, they say, don't operate heavy machinery, but, but you can lie down, you can sit in your recliner, you can do whatever you need to do, and we will take you there. Right? And there is something very narrow. It's something very definable. You're just supposed to feel a certain way. If you just feel that way, you've arrived. There are a lot of things wrong with this. But, but on the surface, one is the idea that there's any relationship between spiritual practice and being passive. And the second is the idea that there's any relationship between spiritual practice and feeling really, really good. If you feel really great and really blissed out all the time, that's... That's a red flag. That doesn't sound like an honest life. There can be an effortless aspect to practice. None of this is to say that it should be forced, or that, that, we should be, that it should be an act of contraction, or that we grunt our way through this. But that there's rigor, that you show up, that you take the step forward in your life, in whatever it is. You don't imagine that the universe is going to come to you and make the temperature just right. It continues, in fact, the Dharma spread and is now present in the world because our great teacher Shakyamuni practiced with difficulty and pain for immeasurable eons and finally attained this Dharma. If the original source is like this, how could the later streams be easy? Because, of course, the mythology of Buddhism is is that the Buddha didn't, he didn't get this in one lifetime. He got this after innumerable lifetimes. None of which were easy. None, none of which were a vacation. This is about lineage. And it's about responsibility. And it's about acknowledging that if you are to surpass your teacher, which this tradition would say is your job, that means you have to work harder than your teacher. You have to see your teacher as an exemplum, but as a starting point. But there's nothing your teacher that can give you that makes it easier for you than it was for that person. Right? We never get to ride on that. Never. I'll skip a couple parts. He goes for a while saying, people of today are lazy. They have no uh, merit. They don't understand anything. And their practice amounts to zero. He's kind of sticking out his tongue at everybody. He's goading the listener. And then he says, what is this teaching of easy understanding and easy practice, which people nowadays like? It is neither a secular teaching nor a Buddha's teaching. saying it doesn't even qualify as a teaching. If someone offers you a diet pill and says you can lose weight and still eat anything you want, you know when you see that, that something is wrong. First of all, you know that it's not true. And second, you know that it's, you know what it's trying to pinpoint in you because it's so transparent. What I remember as as a child was there were all these uh, infomercials for exercise tools that made no sense. They were all variations on shaking people. And if you just shake hard enough, you'll look like an athlete, but you don't do anything. You lie there and you put a belt around your body or you put a belt under your feet and you turn on a switch and it goes digga 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 and you watch TV And if you do this every day, you wake up one day and you're svelte. Mm -hmm. And they sold so many of these things against all reason. The part of us that wants that to work, the part of us that imagines that there can be results without effort, if we're not careful, is actually stronger than the part of us that knows better. On the other hand, we can see that breaking bones or crushing marrow is not difficult, but to harmonize the mind is most difficult. Again, the practice of prolonged austerities is not difficult, but to harmonize bodily activities is most difficult. This is about the Buddha's story. That when he left the palace, his idea of spiritual practice was to break his body down. So he didn't eat and he didn't bathe. And he sat on briars. And he meditated all day and all night and he sat in painful postures. The idea was it if you could withstand all of this, if you could let go of any desire for comfort, that you would transcend the body. And what Dogen is saying is, as extreme as that is, to beat up your body for practice, and here we should understand he's not at all equating this with what he said at the beginning about cutting off your limbs. This is something else as extreme as it is to do this this body-denying practice, it's simple compared to actually embodying the practice. It's temperament. The same part of the mind that wants results for nothing can make a little leap into thinking, if I just do this, this, and this, I've succeeded. It's math. If I sit one hour a day, if I sit two hours a day, if I can stand on my head, if I can give up this, if I can do this, then I will be met in equal measure with spiritual attainment of some kind. That is as simple-minded as a diet pill. As simple-minded as that little shaky toy. (laughs) It just means that now you're making some effort. But it's lazy effort. It's unexamined effort. It's entitled effort. This practice promises nothing. Zazen gives you nothing. Zazen is an idea. Your teacher gives you nothing. You can't stick a straw in your teacher and suck something out. It's on you. Realizing the practice in the sense of making it real. Of making it actual. Making it visible. Making it expressed. Expressed is hard. It is the question of every moment of every day of your life. Am I being honest right now? Or am I holding back? He keeps going with this. He says, Do you think crushing bones is of value? Although many endured such practice, few of them attained dharma. Do you think people practicing austerities are to be respected? Although there have been many, few of them have realized the way, for they still have difficulty in harmonizing the mind. Harmonizing the mind is harmonizing the mind to the body. Harmonizing the body is harmonizing the body to the mind. We don't get to rely on either one. He doesn't talk about the third option. Where you go and and you sit down and you only explore this practice as a mental endeavor. And you play games of the mind. And you imagine that if you can go down all the little side roads, and if you can map your own brain, that somehow at the finish line, there's realization. And meanwhile, what the world sees and what you show the world is just a person who's still and looking away. There is no engagement. There is no action. There is no active question except me, 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 me. And then he throws in a poem. And I don't know the source, but I I assume it's not him. Brilliance is not primary. Understanding is not primary. Conscious endeavor is not primary. Introspection is not primary. Without using any of these, harmonize body and mind and enter the Buddha way. I'll read that one more time. This is great. This should probably be on our door. Brilliance is not primary. Understanding is not primary. Conscious endeavor is not primary. Introspection is not primary. Without using any of these, harmonize body-mind and enter the Buddha way. Without relying on your idea of what that is, Without imagining that you know what it is to harmonize body and mind, harmonize body and mind. How do you do that? You do that by being honest. And you do that by being generous. And you do that by refusing your own answers to your own questions. So that in that moment when you think, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it, you say, no, 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 no. Maybe not. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit ZenNovaScotia.com.